What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Brainy. A little hesitant tonight because I'm trying a new software. Want to make sure everything is A-OK. I updated my Mac this week and didn't realize that the software I use isn't compatible with the new Mac. So was super bummed about that, but hopefully this will work. Hopefully uh, everything will be fine. So, hey, we're cool. Uh, We're trying GarageBand. So this episode might be a little crazy. Uh, But... Got a lot to get to. Really excited. Uh, uh, a lot has been happening, and uh, it, it's just been it's it's been a wild July full of sports. Right, the Olympics is on. NBA Finals just finished up super late this year. Um, you had the MLB trade deadline was today. You have the uh, NBA draft was yesterday. Oh my God, yeah, like that's one of the biggest stories. So a lot to get to. But first, I want to do something crazy. I want to do something live, something I've never done before, and it is a live taste test. I my mouth is salivating. I don't know if you can hear me. I'm so excited. We have what is the might be the biggest game changer in all of fast food. I went out and I got the Popeye's new chicken nuggets. Now they claim these are the best and that it is just changing everything that there is about chicken nuggets so i said let's give them a shot all right so i had two nuggets with me and i got a little bit of the blackened ranch sauce and the bold barbecue gonna try one with each and then a plain bite as well all right let's let's go because right now mcdonald's has good nuggets okay um wendy's is is fine it's passable chick-fil-a nuggets are the best though so let's see what does popeyes bring they've got a good sandwich they got good biscuits and they're local. Okay. So, we're going barbecue first. Wow. Okay. Very, very crunchy. A lot like the sandwich. Where it's got that crunchy exterior. And if you like that, you're going to love these. Sorry that you can hear my chewing. I'm not sure if it's coming in super loud, but... That is really good. It is a lot of meat. These nuggets are, by the way, they're huge. Like, this one is almost the length of my pinky. It's like, it's the length of like two notches on your finger. finger. And it's like thick. And like I said, it's crunchy. So, here we go. We're going with the Blackened Ranch. Yeah, these nuggets are amazing. It's going to come down to if you like them, if you like your Popeye's chicken sandwich versus your Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, not as breaded, still really delicious, but, um, you know, and their nuggets are kind of the same, like lightly breaded, whereas Popeye's a little more breaded, a little, little crispier, but it's like bigger, and uh, you get like more meat on the whole thing. I love their sauces too. So, this is incredible. I mean, in terms of the nugget game, they... Uh, they backed up their strong words. They backed up what they were planning on doing and changing the chicken nugget game forever. This is this might be the new number one chicken nugget. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say they have changed the game and they have made the best chicken nugget out there because it was like eating little chicken sandwiches from Popeyes. Popeyes knows chicken. Don't mess with them. And they're open Sundays. The saying, um, three ninety nine for an eight piece. This is incredible. Definitely a game changer. 
and uh, the number one nugget. So now that I've gotten that out of the way, I, I didn't even have that on my original podcast plan, but I just thought about one. Uh, you know, I was driving around earlier. I was like, oh, you know what? This is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to add. So, all right. So first things first, the Cleveland Indians are no more. That is right. They've changed their name to the Cleveland Guardians starting in the 2022 season. They, um, This was one of the names that they were considering. This, uh, among Spiders, was the last two. Those were the last two. But if you remember, a couple podcasts ago, I went with what I thought were the 25 best chances of uh, being the new Cleveland Indians name. Um, Guardians was one of the ones I gave the best chances to. Uh, I put it up there with Commodores, but I didn't think they are going to eventually pick Commodores. I put Spiders up there. Uh, Guardians just felt like a really like easy like split down the middle. You're going to unite the city because of the connection it has to Cleveland. Uh, it kind of even sounds like Indians, but it's a completely different change. Hopefully, you're not going to find anyone get offended by this name, and you're not going to have to answer to, you know different like hate speech and different groups that are out there like kind of just like pissed off that you did this so um i do think that is uh that's like an important part of this you know is trying to figure out what um you know is is like threading the needle they've had a a name that was uh i don't want to say hateful but i want to say uh it it was uh, it, it i don't know it was polarizing uh it was it was just problematic, and what the Indians, Cleveland Indians, now Guardians, needed was a fresh start. Uh, it looks like they're going to keep the colors, the you know the navy blue, the bright red, and white, um, which I like because I've always liked their colors. I didn't want them to switch to the Cavaliers colors or the Browns colors or or like a gray based one, which a lot of people were saying they might do. Uh, no, I like that they kept their colors, and. Um, uh, the the funny joke around there is that uh, the Dolans didn't have to buy a full new name, that they kept the Deans on there, uh, which I think is hilarious because the Dolans are proven to be cheap. So, yeah, why not, you know, like uh, kind of mess with them a little bit. But um, th- I think this name is really good. So when we thought about it in the beginning, and first of all, like I've come to terms with them changing the logo, changing the name and all that stuff. So, so I'm not like judging this versus Indians. I'm just judging this versus like the other options out there because we all knew they were changing the name. They've been working on it for like four or five years, uh, phasing out Chief Wahoo and then announcing they're going to change the name like two years ago and then basically playing for the Indians for like a year and a half. It was like just bound to happen, right? So um, it, like we look at this versus the others. I still think they need to work on that logo. The logo they showed, I think, was very generic. It, I think, was a decent secondary logo. It was the ball with the G around it and the wings, which, like, I think is a cool secondary logo or, like, a minor league baseball logo. I don't think it is a, like, 2021 professional baseball team logo. Like, I think you got to do better than that. And I think they will. I think that, you know, the logo will have a little bit more to it. There are a lot of great fan suggestions out there. I know you can't just pick a fan suggestion. However, I think there's so many good ones out there that, that you realize, like, we got to do something with that. I want them to include the Guardian logo in there. They didn't do anything with that. They just had, like, the wings, um, which, like, is fine, I guess. But, I mean, you are you got these big, giant statues. And, yes, for those who don't know, 
and I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you know by now what the Guardians is. The Hope Memorial Bridge, which takes you into Cleveland, right by Cleveland Indian Stadium, uh, Progressive Field. Uh, there are, I think, eight, you know, four facing one way, four facing, you know, the other way, statues, giant statues on the bridge of these guardians holding, like, cars, transportation, because it's supposed to guide you on your transportation, on your way in and out of Cleveland, and it's, they are the guardians of travel. So, it has that connection to the city, which was one of the three points. They say they wanted to keep their, like, rich history, which, like, I feel like any name could do that unless it was, like, Cowboys, right? <laughs> like, like you know, no offense, like, but that is, like, the one that it would be, like, oh, that is just, like, hateful towards the Indians, so... Like, all right, they're not doing anything against the history of the team. So, like, that's one. Number two, they wanted to do something that would unite the city. And I feel like doing something that, like, a lot of Clevelanders like, a lot of, like, Northeastern Ohioans are, like, proud of. I think that's a really good job. And they wanted to do something that represents the city of Cleveland. And I'm like, well, this is the perfect thing. So... Unless you were going to do the hazards and just be like your logo, be like an orange uh, cone, which was like a, a huge, you know, maybe I'm not allowed to make that joke because I don't live in Northeast Ohio, but uh, I thought it was really funny when I saw it out there being like, oh yeah, because they're always under construction. But uh, no, this was like the perfect combination of the three. So you are not really pissing off. Like the only people that are mad right now are the ones that wanted it to stay Indians or be tribe or wild thing. Like, only things related to Cleveland Indians. Uh, the Like, no one's mad at Guardians unless they just wanted, like, for the name Guardians. They're just mad that's not Indian. So, I think they did a good job with the name choice. They said they're still keeping, like, the, uh, some things underneath their, like, wraps. And that they haven't fully changed everything. So, uh, I'm looking forward to that because I think that's really important. And, uh... We need to, like, keep that in mind that, uh, you know, like, before we judge this whole logo and everything, they didn't release everything. I, I am interested in, like, what the context is going to be because the word Cleveland that they released and the word Guardians that they released were different fonts. The G on the ball was a different font than the G on the Guardians logo. It's slightly different, but it was still different. And then the C logo that they use on the hat is different than the C in the word Cleveland. Um, so like, there are a lot of things that I'm like, this, they're not done. They announced it. They showed us a little bit, which by the way, they announced with a great video. Like if you're going to change the team name and you want people to love it, you get Tom Hanks and you show everything that's good about the city. And that's what they did. They got Tom Hanks. Like, how can you hate a video done by Tom Hanks? So I, um, I think that's, I think they, the whole release, everything was great. They did exactly how you're supposed to do it. Um, and look, I like it. This was one of the ones I, I, I wanted. Um, so I'm pretty happy. I want them to keep the block C, but I know that if they're going to be changing a lot of things, the logo is going to change. The, the, the letter C is going to change. Uh, so I know that they're going to do that. I saw a really cool like CG logo where it's like a C on the outside and a G on the inside. Um, I th And then like there was even one that even goes further and it has the Guardian's face in the middle of that. I think that's pretty cool. Um, I do like the look of the Diamond Shield C, whatever they're calling that now. Um, 
and, and I do really like the Guardian script. It's very similar to the way that Indians is done now. I think the G looks a little clunky in that, but I think they're really close. I think that's like really cool, and that's like the white uniform with the red Guardians across the chest. Uh, and then obviously they're going to keep just like the typical Cleveland jerseys, uh, just with upgraded font, which like I'm totally down for because we already wear those a lot. Um, just need to include more of the statues. And make sure the letters aren't so like clunky. But um, this is uh, this is exciting. The Cleveland Indians. This is like a bad last season. Um, not to mention, our coach had to step down. You know, Tito Martinez. Or Tito Martinez. Yikes. Um, Terry Francona. He is. Um, he had to step down. He uh, he's had health problems in the past. I think this one's hip related. Like he's having double hip surgery. So you know, like best of luck to, to Tito. Um, he's going to miss the remaining, uh, like, season. He's only, like, eight or nine wins away from having the all-time franchise record for wins. So, uh, like, it must have been a real gut punch for Hargrove to come so close. He was only 10 short or 11 short, and, and Francona passed him last week. So, Francona is, like, just shy of the record. So, it must have been a real gut punch for Hargrove to come this close and not get it. Uh, for Francona to come even closer... And not get it because of health reasons would be a, a real bummer. But uh, it sounds like they're going to bring him back. It sounds like he's not retiring. He's just stepping away for the remainder of the season. And that he'll come back next year. However, it is funny that the guy who never had a sub-500 year with us uh, leaves during his worst season. Where the Indians are dealing with a lot of injuries. And of course he's 50 and 49 when he steps down. Which, like, you know, like, obviously it's not, like, part of the plan. It's not like... I mean, I don't think he was like, well, let's see if I can get to the record and step down after uh, and also keep a 500 record. Uh, I don't think that was his intent, uh, but you know, maybe he saw that he was going to slip a hoe 500 and was like, maybe stop now. No, I don't think I don't think that has anything to do with it. But the future of the tribe, I'm still going to call him the tribe, by the way. Like it's It's going to be really hard to flush that. And Tribe isn't the offensive part of the name. It's not the offensive part of the logo or anything like that. Um, I understand people are still probably going to have a problem with me calling them the Tribe. Uh, you know, what it, it is what it is, whatever. Like, uh, uh, it's just a nickname, and it's not an offensive nickname. But uh, the future of the Tribe, I think, is bright. They're not going to make the playoffs this year, right? They're 50 and 49. They're not going to go... 40 and like 20 down the stretch like that's just not gonna happen um they have more tough games they're starting another tough series with the white Sox, who loaded up yet today um with their uh, a couple more trades we sent caesar hernandez their way uh who's gonna help them which helped because they traded nick madrigal away so uh they're not catching the white Sox. they're eight and a half back even if they went out and bought some players and like really pushed they were still going to come up short they're not going to they're probably not going to get the wild card they're like five out there maybe a little less than five but uh it, there's just too many teams that were like really loading up the yankees are trying to make a run uh oakland is trying to uh, get in there it's it, too many good teams that aren't dealing with uh, the injury injuries that the indians have so uh the future is fresh. The future is bright. Jose Ramirez isn't going anywhere. Uh, they have a really solid pitching core 
when they're healthy, obviously, like, Plesak is having a bit of a down year. Mackenzie's having a down year. And then Bieber and Savali were both all-stars before they got hurt. So, you know, if those first two guys kind of rebound next year and grow into their age a little bit, add in to the top two that we have, not to mention we have reinforcements at the starting position, starting pitcher position, uh, I, I think our pitching is going to be really good again next year. Relief, uh, we have a great bullpen already. They're kind of burnt out right now because they've been overworked because our starters barely make it like two, three innings these days. So uh, they're getting gassed a little bit right now, but we have some really cool top-end relievers at the at the end of the bullpen. And uh, I think when it all comes together, we're going to have a great pitching staff next year. And look... We'll have Jose Ramirez at third. Framil Reyes is proven to be like a legit threat at the DH, like a guy who hits 270 and just a bomb every other game, like a real bomb too. He hit over almost 900 feet worth of uh, home runs the other day, win two homers, um, which is insane. And then Naylor's down for the year, but he was starting to look pretty good. He's either the right fielder or the first baseman. They have some nice pieces. They loaded up with some more young guys. The middle of the infield, I, I've talked ad nauseum about how many good shortstops we have that are going to be ready in the next two to three seasons. Next year, you know, uh, Gabriel Arias, uh, Tyler Freeman, I think those two guys are the first ones to get shots at uh, short and second. I think Ahmed Rosario is going to be traded. Maybe they'll get uh, another, you know, uh, another Maybe they make a move. Maybe they're like, hey, you know what? We're not not all these middle infielders are going to make the cut. Maybe we trade a Med Rosario. Maybe we trade, uh, you know, Daniel Johnson and uh, uh, you know, JC Mejia, and we get a more established young starter that's under control. So, like that might be a deal that we might see next year. But uh, I really like the direction of the team. Not going to make the playoffs this year, but. It's going to be a, a lot of fun to watch them in the future. Uh, I think the Guardians will be a very good franchise going forward. So, all right, that's that's Tribe Talk. Um, I will give a little top five. I wanted to do a couple top fives tonight, but um, my top five, the first one I'm going to do uh, is I'm going to rank the logos. Now that, like, the Tribe logos, they've, they've updated it, I want to do the main logos that we've seen from Cleveland. Um, and I'm going to just stick it to the lettering, right? Because I'm not, I'm not going to include Chief Wahoo, uh, you know, because that, that, like, you know, will upset some people. But I wanted to, uh, to go into it. So, all right, number five I'm going to put is this um, Shield Diamond C. I don't know what they're calling it. It's my it's my fifth favorite one so far, only because it hasn't grown on me. I think I'm gonna like it in time, but uh, you know it's new, it's fresh. We don't really know what to expect of it. Um, number four, uh, I I um I think it's just gonna be like the plain C that we've used in the past. Uh, you know, it's just like blah. Actually, no, I'm not including that. The the number four is gonna be the script I. Script I is uh, it, it's okay, right? Like it's there's nothing special about the script I, although it is an I and it's not a C where we have seen like you know a lot of C's in the past, the block C, the crooked C coming up, the diamond C, um, but the I was fun. It just came with these horrible uniforms that were like vests. That's what I didn't like about those. But the script I on its own, pretty cool. 
very different. Not a lot of teams had like an eye before. So I like the script eye. It just was accompanied by a bad one. Um, number three, I'm going to put the Crooked C. I think, uh, I think the Crooked C was... Um, it was used like in the 40s and then they brought it back um, again like recently. I've seen it in a lot of... Um, a lot of like uh, like like throwback uniforms, but I do like the Crooked C a lot, and I, I think uh, it's it's so weird to do a top five of things that you need visuals of. But the Crooked C I have is number three. Number two I have the Block C. Uh, that's the hat I wear the most. I love the Block C, and um, I think it's like a timeless one, and they should just go off of that normally. Um, like, they should always keep that in. Maybe make that their Sunday uniform as they do, like, the old Block C and just, like, kick it back with what they used to have. And number one, after, you know, run down the five. Five was the Shield Diamond C. Four was the Script I. Three was the Crooked C. Two was the Block C. Number one, I tried to hide it, but I couldn't. It's the OG, Chief Wahoo. Not, like, the yellow face one, but the one that everyone knows. The one that, like... You know, when it was like the kind of like the black hat and the red brim with like the big chief wahoo with the, like the red face and the feather. Like, I, I understand like it's offensive and a lot of people were upset with it and it had to go. Um, and I just want, you know, those listening to think like, hey, I, I, you know, I understand and I get it and I understand why they can't use it anymore. Uh, it's just the one that I associate with the Cleveland Indians, with like the team that I fell in love with, right? Early, you know, in the mid-90s, when I was getting into sports, the Browns left. You know, they left Cleveland. They were pulled out of uh, Cleveland to go to Baltimore. My dad wasn't a Cavaliers fan. He was a Knicks fan. Uh, and so, like, my Cleveland sports heritage really was, like, baseball above all. And those 90s Indians teams, man, they were awesome. They were so good. Hall of Famers on the team. They had all-stars everywhere. They hosted an all-star game. They, they were crushing it. They were, like... You know, the sellout streak, made two World Series, were in the playoffs every year. They were, like, taking it to some really good franchises. 90s Indians, that was, like, Chief Wahoo at his, like, you know, like, I feel like that's the logo I fell in love with because that was the team that I fell in love with. So, anyway, that is my number one logo. Uh, you know, it, it's not coming back. It's not going to be part of any, like, you know retro day or anything like that and i understand why they went away from it and i'm totally fine with that like that's they made the move they made the move so all right so moving along uh also staying in baseball just outside of the cleveland um there was a trade deadline today and man it was monumental one of the biggest trade deadlines i can ever remember uh they knew it was going to be big, right? It was a day early, too, by the way. Like, that's the funny thing is that July 31st has uh, typically been the trade deadline in years past. However, this year, because it was on a Saturday and there was a lot of Saturday games, July 31st being a Saturday, they were like, we're going to move it up a day. We're going to make the trade deadline the 30th because most teams will play at night and uh, you won't really have to worry about, like, pulling guys and making sure guys aren't hurt or anything like that. Like, they could just, you know, go about it. Which, like, I like. I like that they did that. Um, so there were some big moves. I mean, there's too many moves to mention, like, all of them. However, you got to keep in mind, like, when they do trade deadline talk, they're always pumping up guys 
And it's like, if they mention 10 guys, two might get traded. That's just how it's been. They'll mention guys like Max Scherzer, Jose Barrios, Trey Turner. They'll mention all these like all-stars and these like young studs and everyone. And it's usually like a pipe dream because you're like, nah, I'm not going to give up. For some reason, this year, all these teams were just like, we're all in. The White Sox, the Dodgers, the Mets, the Yankees, uh, the Padres, the Giants. So many teams were like, we're going all in. It, it, it's crazy. So the big news is, all right, Chicago Cubs, the, the team that beat the Cleveland Indians in the 2016 World Series, which, by the way, I still say the world is a better place if the Indians win that World Series. And that 2016 Cubs dynasty that never was, never wins a single World Series. And the Cubs continue with their drought being like the, wow, they were so close. And it came down to Game 7 of the World Series. But no, uh, you know they, they outlasted the Indians who couldn't come over their injuries. They won the World Series. But they traded Anthony Rizzo to the Yankees. They traded Javi Baez to the Mets. They traded Chris Bryant to... Uh, the Giants, they traded Craig Kimbrell to the White Sox. Unbelievable. Just like they dismantled that team. And I got to admit, like, if you're going to sell, this is the way you sell. That was like, that's the way you do it. You say, hey, we're going to get a bunch of, like, we're getting rid of our guys. It stings. It sucks. It is what it is. We're, but we're not going to peel off the bandit. We're going to rip it off. They traded. Anthony Rizzo last night, and they traded the rest of the guys this afternoon. And th- that way, it's like, you know what? It's It doesn't hurt as much when, like, you know, like over a long period of time. It's like, no, it's just one really bad afternoon. I remember crying when Bartolo Colon was traded. And it sucked. But, like, if they traded, you know, other guys that same day. I remember when Jim Tomei w- was signed with the Phillies. If these things just happened at the same time. Maybe, like, I'm less upset, you know what I mean? So, if you, like, that's the way the Cubs did it today. Um, They also got, like, really good returns for these guys. They've got players that are going to be, like, MLB players. And probably all around the same time frame. It's not like they traded for a current 27-year-old and then a 19-year-old. It's like, no, they got all guys that are, like, low 20s that are, like, a year or two away um, outside of the White Sox trade, they got guys that are going to play like right away, but they're still young too. So it's like, it's like they, they did the right thing. They're like, we're going to go make a window happen. Um, the Nationals, the other team that were big surprise today. Uh, they trade last night. They were in trucks to trade Trey Turner and, uh, Max Scherzer. Uh, originally it was, it looked like they were going to trade him to the Padres and uh, and then that didn't happen. The Dodgers came in, blew them away with an offer with uh, two of their top prospects, and then two more really good prospects. I think they even included more. I didn't. I never saw the end of that deal. But uh, those guys going to the Dodgers, the team that's like, listen, we um, we know, you know, like we we know we're in this window. We're paying a ton of money, but uh, yeah, the Dodgers have a filthy rotation, and then all stars all over the diamond. Uh, the Nationals also traded away uh, uh, Schwarber, which is funny that it's like Schwarber wasn't on the Cubs this year, but he was still traded in the same deadline as all of those Cubs teammates where it's like, damn, just like all of those guys traded in one day as members of that 2016 Cubs team. Um, 
you know, the Phillies got in on some of the action. They got uh, Kyle Gibson, who was like a you know a really good starter this year, and they traded Spencer Howard, who was like a really good prospect for them. The Toronto Blue Jays, I felt like, gave up the best package of picks today. They traded Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson, two like top 100 prospects, a center fielder, shortstop, and a starting pitcher, and they got Jose Barrios. Which, like, look, I know Jose Barrios is is like a is like a you know he's a good starter. He made an All Star team, but like, I don't think he's that big of an ace. That like, I'm like, damn, you know, we've traded Kluber, Clevenger. Bauer, Carrasco, and uh, we've never gotten a, tra- a haul like that. Now, I know the Indians don't typically go for, like, give us your two top prospects. They're usually like, give us two good prospects, two good young players, and then two bench players. Um, and this way, we get six guys that are going to make the major league team, and it's like, well, what are we doing here? Like, what's what's the important thing? Aren't we trying to load up with talent, not just guys that are going to make MLB rosters? And now the Indians are in a crunch, obviously, uh, that they have too many guys that are going to make the 40-man roster next year. And it's like they don't have enough studs. They've got too many guys that are like roster filler. So regardless, um, that was another big deal, the Barrios deal. Uh, he was in talks to go to the Mariners. They weren't ready to pull the plug on two of their top like pitching prospects. Uh, Chris Bryant, though, to the Giants. That's That was like the buzzer-beater deal. Uh, this is like the biggest trade deadline I can remember. Um, you know, the Yankees traded for Joey Gallo like a, two days ago and then added Anthony Rizzo. Um, the Reds went out and got some relief pitching. They got uh, Michael Givens from Colorado. Colorado didn't sell off a lot. Trevor Story was never really in the uh, trade talks. Everyone thought... You know, the year that everyone's getting traded, Trevor Story, a guy who's on a last-place team, or not a last-place team, but a fourth-place team, uh, he's certainly going to be dealt when he's not coming back next year, going to cash in big. He never got dealt. Oakland traded for Starlin Marte, um, and, and the list goes on and on. This was a crazy year. The Twins sold big. The Cubs and Nats sold big. And then any team that, you know, Houston made a couple, Houston and Tampa made like minor deals. Um, nothing like game changing uh, like they've done in the past. Although Houston did get Nelson Cruz last week, or not to help Houston, uh, Tampa Bay got Nelson Cruz last week. So they already made their splash. Um, just a crazy deadline. You know, all those names I mentioned. If you, they're the typical names that get mentioned at the trade deadline. Usually two or three of them get traded. But instead, like, 12 got traded. So it was crazy. What a deadline day. Uh, definitely going to be remembered as one of the biggest ones because it was just one where it was like, if you want a guy, you can go get him. And some of the hauls weren't enormous. Like, I definitely could see them. I don't know. Like, it, it just, uh, like, I felt like the Barrios, like, haul was the best. And I'm like, wow, like, he was attainable. You know, anyone could have gotten him then if, you know, if like, uh, like, or I mean, if you could get Barrios for that, you could probably get someone else for that too. So it, I don't know. It was a, it was a big day in the MLB trade market and, uh, Hey, it was, uh, damn, it was a big one. So, uh, the other events going on the Olympics, you know, the Olympics, Hey, a lot of talk right now. So we're early into the Olympics. American basketball team, 
not doing too well. Swimming is doing well. Volleyball doing well. Um, gymnastics is the one that's kind of the big talk right now. Because Simone Biles stepped away recently from the team saying that, listen, you know, I um, I need to like focus on my mental health. This is just too much of a strain on me. It's like it's it's too much. I, and and to me, I totally get it. Like like mental health is like really important. And before I feel like outside of the last like 15 years, like no one ever wanted to talk about it and maybe even less, like maybe 10 years. No one ever wanted to talk about it, and nobody ever wanted to do anything about it. And if you're dealing with it, you're like cuckoo. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, and sorry, I keep getting texts, so I like, you know, f- you know, frazzled away. Um, she was like a bit brave to like come out and say these things because it's not very popular. Now, it's becoming more popular. It hasn't been in the past. Um, so a lot, this is very polarizing for a lot of different people because they see it and they say, you're representing America, right? Like, and I'm going to look at the two very extremes of this and I'm going to find this middle ground and I'm going to tell you what the, how, how to, how to meet me there. They, the, the people that are criticizing her, um, they're the ones that are like, Michael Jordan would never. You know, or uh, who's the one guy uh, that came out and he was like, Michael Jordan would never come out of game seven of uh, the NBA finals. And it's like, well, number one, Michael Jordan never had to play in a game seven because they always won earlier, which is funny enough that he said that. But I get the point he's saying is that, like, this just wasn't a thing in the past. Now, you if you want to call her soft or if you want to call her brave, it, like this guy and these people that are criticizing her are saying, like, you need to decide, like, earlier if you're going to step out. Because you're taking away this this shot. You know, t- Simone Biles is the best gymnast in the world. One of the best ever. So, like, I totally get that, like, you know, she has nothing to prove. She doesn't owe me anything. She doesn't owe you anything. However, she's competing to be there with other people. And then when she steps down... To focus on our mental health, like, that's good and you should always do what's best for you. But, like, it's a bad look when you're taking away the spot from someone else. And I get it. She was there to cheer. She she cheered her teammates on and they won the silver and they won gold in other events. And, like, it was still, like, a whole great experience and they obviously support her. Um, but I see what people are saying. That's like... The moment you put that on, you're representing America and you've agreed that you're going to be there. This isn't all about you. This is a team sport. Uh, Even though there are some individual events, um, there could be other Americans there competing in your place that like are stuck at home watching and are like, that could be me there. So I totally get that side of things. But it doesn't mean like it doesn't make her selfish it doesn't make her a quitter it just is something that comes with the territory of gen z of 24 year olds in this day and age and that it's like it, it it does come off as like a little selfish i'm not saying she is selfish but when you think about it she's making the decision for herself and it's like tough shit for everyone else you know she doesn't owe it to me she doesn't owe it to you know john smith or any of the other people out there 
She doesn't owe us shit. But I think she owes it to the others on Team America to if you're going to go, if you're going to be part of this team, you compete. Like, if LeBron went to the Olympics and then during the games was like, I'm done, I'm leaving, people would be furious at him. And, he, and if he said, he was like, well, it's for my mental health. This is too much. I need to relax. I need to go home. People would still be furious at him, right? So, you know, yeah, there is some, like, shit going towards Simone Biles' way. And a lot of people are like, how dare you? How dare you say this to her? Like, it's she doesn't owe you anything. It's like, no, she doesn't owe me anything. She doesn't owe you anything. But if you're going to represent, like, Team America, and if you're going to put on those colors and take that spot from someone else... You, you owe it to them. You owe it to the people you competed with. That's why, like, growing up, and I know, obviously, the scale is different, but the sentiment is the same. Growing up, if, like, you joined a sport in my household, like, you weren't allowed to quit. You could not go out for the team next year if, if that was your choice. If you were like, listen, this is the last year I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do soccer next year. I'm not going to do dance or whatever it is that you did. But it's like, if you, if you sign up for this, you don't quit midway through. You don't quit when things are tough. Um, you don't like stop just because you, you aren't interested anymore. You can stop after the season, but once you sign up to do something, you could be taking someone else's spot. So like, once you decide, you got to stick it out for the remainder, and then afterwards, if you change your mind later, you change your mind. Um, and that's another thing that, like, you know, I know it's different. It's rec soccer, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, St. Catherine's soccer or baseball, like, but it's, you're taking that spot from someone else. And it it is the same sentiment that goes towards Simone Biles. Um, There's also like, and this is the part that people don't want to hear on the other side of it. It comes down to like, is like, like, is this like a toughness thing? Whereas like in the nineties, like, yes, you're always going to tough it out. Like, tough, tough, tough. And now it's, like, it's a lot more comfortable to be sensitive, to be, um, like, you know, to, like, kind of let people out with their feelings, to let people show their emotions. And if they don't want to do something, they just don't do it. They quit. Like, that. that is more of, like, the sentiment these days. That's more popular these days to do that. So, um... So, yeah, it's like it's just a little different, you know, to like, you know, kind of thread that needle because you're like on the one side, you're like, okay, you can criticize her for quitting, but like she has to focus on her mental health. But at the same time, it's like, is this just a popular thing to do is to like stop the moment you're not enjoying something when it's like, yeah, sometimes I don't enjoy taking out the trash. I still got to fucking do it. Like, I don't enjoy, like, you know, mopping up. You still do it. Like, there are things you do sometimes that you don't enjoy that it's like, if you want to retire from gymnastics, like, go ahead. Like, fine. Step away. But to, like, do it right in the middle of the Olympics, you know, it, it, it you it's fair to question. It's fair to make those questions. So all I ask is with the Simone Biles stuff, like, you just ask the right questions. Don't don't freak out at her for stepping away. You know, don't like, you know, don't assume this or assume that. Like, she's got her reasons. It's okay that she stepped away. 
uh, she has to live with the fact that she stepped, like you know, walked away from her teammates and stuff, and took a job from someone else. Um, but like, don't get so offended. Don't get like it's so 2021 to just get offended by anything. And the pe- and, and the moment Simone Simone Biles stepped away, people were like, were like loading up their guns. They were getting ready. They're like, okay, here we go. I'm gonna kill any one of those MAGA guys who say that she's a quitter. And then you have people on the other side that are like, if those libs tell me that she's, uh, she's uh, you know, allowed to quit and step away because it's her feelings, I'm going to lose it. And it's like, oh my God, it's like this with everything now. You're both wrong. Like, it's in the middle there somewhere. She's allowed to step away, but at the same time, she owes it to her teammates. That's all. So, aside from that with the Olympics... Uh, there are like you know Team America. They lost to France in their first game. They looked horrible in the qualifiers, but they didn't have a full team. Uh, but we need to we need to address this. You know, people are t- comparing this to like the Dream Team and everything, right? Okay, <clears throat> the Dream Team from '92, right? That was the year. Um, I mean, the best players in the world were all Americans. That's not the case anymore. Uh, you can make an argument that the best player in the world is Giannis. You can also make an argument that the least amount of the top 15 players in the world, right? Because let's say you send 15 guys on Team America. Usually, well, that's the 15 best players in, in the world. Not anymore. Luka Doncic, Giannis, I mean, like, uh, Jokic. There are guys, there are Slovenians, there are Spaniards, there are Greeks, there are guys on every team, Australians, making the All-NBA rosters and stuff. So you're not getting the full roster. If you look at the All-NBA list now, in 2021, and the guys who are on this team versus the All-NBA list in 92, like you're, you've got like three All-NBA guys now, whereas you used to have like 12. So you're just not getting the amount of top guys as you are not to mention the amount of guys that are sitting out like Kawhi injured sitting out lebron retired from uh from from international play or whatever uh you know then you have like you add in the fact that it's like some of the top guys are out some of the top guys aren't americans and then some of the guys on the team just haven't even finished their season like the milwaukee bucks and phoenix suns just finished the NBA Finals last week. Three of those guys are on the team. Like it's like they they gotta be exhausted. They gotta be so tired. Not to mention this season was was like a drag after last season being like a really weird one. So it's like this is just a really bad time. Now they still got Kevin Durant. They still got Bradley Beal and Dame Lillard. Those are you know hey those are that three right there. You should win it all. You should not be losing Evan Fournier and uh, Rudy Gobert. Like, I'm sorry. It's just that team is just that France team is not that good where Jason Tatum, you know, who's the fourth best player on the floor and fourth best player on his own team and is just not helping. Um, you know, Drew Holiday cannot be your best player in international play. We're, we're you know, we're better than that. No offense to Drew Holiday. Um, fortunately, it's not over for them. They can still go out there and win gold. But they need to turn around. They need to like step up and they need to play, you know, 
team basketball. They can't be blaming Pop and being like, oh, Coach K would never. Like, It's like, well, you know what? Coach K's not here anymore. You guys got to man up and, and fucking beat these other teams because this is, like, embarrassing. We cannot be losing to France. Like, we invented this game. We have all the – we have most of the best players – Go out there and win. I know it's not the dream team. And you're never going to have that because international basketball is so much better now than it was in the 90s. Like, you cannot deny the level of competition is so much better uh, today. than it, it, it still isn't as good as we should be, but it's just insanely different now. So, um, all right, moving along. Because outside of the Olympics, there's not much to talk about there all right so now i do want to get into um another another olympic thing you know now we're talking about it um you know you're watching the olympics and you're like man i i would love to do that or i could do that like how cool would it be to be an olympian and you know it got me thinking another top five around the corner right here what would be your like top five Olympic events you would want to do, right? And I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty, like, uh, you know, exactly which, you know, distance and things like that. I'm not going to do that. Just, like, which athlete would you want to be? Which, like, if you were, if Jake Brainy was at the Olympics, what would he like to be competing in? So, um, I, um, I kind of just kept it to the Summer Olympics because I'm not even into winter mode. I don't even want to think about Winter Olympics. Uh, so we're just going to stick with the Summer ones. Um, Honorable mention, I mentioned rugby because I've played rugby and it's, you know, look, it's a lot of fun. However, I did not play sevens. I played it uh, in the summer when, like, we kind of just did, like, tournaments and things. And I'm not a sevens player. Um, Like, you know, sevens rugby, if you watch that and then you watch 15s, you're like, oh, I see. I know who they're taking off first. They're taking me out of the field first when you cut from 15 to seven. Um, it's mostly all guys that are all the same size. They are, they hit hard, but they run like, like, you know, they're fucking running backs is what they are. It's, you know, if, if America had a team of sevens, it would be, you know, uh, Jamal Adams, uh, Nick Chubb, Derek Henry, uh, and then you'd fit in a couple, uh, wide receivers that are like, you know, Julio, um, you know, big guys that can hit that can tackle, that can run. Uh, it, you know, 15s is where you get guys that's like, okay, now you have, you know, your offensive linemen and defensive linemen in there, and then you have the speed guys on the outside. You have a little bit of difference, you know, on, on who you're out there. But with sevens, it's like, nope, everyone's pretty much pretty fucking big and pretty badass. Not to mention, well, I mean, everyone there is badass. They're rugby players. Um, so, uh, rugby honorable mention in there, uh, if it was bigger in America, I think it would definitely be in my top five, but it's just not that big here. And I don't think it's, uh, you know, ever going to be because we kind of have our hierarchy of sports. Also honorable mention handball, super fun to watch. Everyone thinks they could be a handball player because they've played dodgeball before because it, it's very minimal running. It's like basketball, but without dribbling and just throwing as hard as you can. So like, I get it. I get why everyone thinks they could be a handball player. And that's why it's on my honorable mention list because it's like, yeah, I do watch it. And I'm like, man, I could, I could throw, I could play like that. So, um, those are the honorable mention, but all right. All right. Number five, uh, Women's soccer, you know, and uh, I, I typically like things 
that are number one, you um, that aren't judged, right? That like you go out there and it's like there's no really arguing. And yes, the, you know, in every team sport there is a judge. You know, there's a judge in all of these things, but um, I feel like in soccer you're not gonna have that many judges like messing with it that all that much. Like it, you just feel like, you know, it's not gonna tamper with it as much as it would with you know, gymnastics or ice skating, things like that, where it's like all judging. Um, But the Team USA women's soccer is typically a really great, like, camaraderie, like, bunch. It's like, you know, usually it's like they go through all this together. They, whether it's the Olympics or it's the FIFA World Cup or whatever it might be, I feel like Team USA women's soccer is always getting a lot of love and they're always in it. They're always competing at the top level, whereas the men's soccer is a, is a couple rings down. The women's soccer is always like one of those teams where it's like, hey, we're either the favorites or we should be in it. Like we should be in the final. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, you are basically looked up to by like you know like all the women in this country and. Uh, I feel like they just none of them hog the spotlight. It's all like kind of like a really good shared thing, and uh, I think that's really cool. So um, I think women's soccer definitely belongs on there. Uh, now, when you say Team USA, women's soccer is one of the ones I think of, but the number one thing, the first thing I think of is number four on my list, and that's men's basketball. When you say Team USA, the first thing I think of is men's basketball. It's not hockey. Which, you know, ironic because, you know, of them beating the Soviet Union in 80, uh, the Miracle on Ice. Like, I get, like, that is, like, the Team USA. But when you say Team USA, I think of the Dream Team. You know, and then I think of the teams that stunk. And then I think of the Redeem Team and how much fun, like, it was with, like, Kobe, LeBron, and Wade, and Melo. And everyone just, like, it was, like, shit pumping by 50 points every team. Uh, and then obviously the dream team when it was like, okay, we're going to play basketball. No one else in the world knows how to play. And we have Hall of Famers all over the place. <coughs> Excuse me. So like I get that was like the dream team was like unfair. And then like the redeem team came around and it was like, yeah, they were kind of unfair too, weren't they? And there's so many awesome highlights of, of America just kicking ass. And that's why it's like disappointing to watch this team play so poorly uh, who knows, maybe in four years, like if, if they don't do well in this round and they maybe get the bronze or silver, uh, or even if they just limp to the gold or what if they don't medal, like no matter what happens, there's already a stain on this because they've lost a couple games, whether it was the qualifiers or the first one to France. Uh, so maybe they need to like have a down year so that in four years when they come back, um, I think it's the 2024 Olympics because this is technically still the 2020 Olympics. In four years, three years now, when they come back, uh, they have a younger squad. Maybe Durant's on it, but it's like a team led by Tatum and Trey Young. Um, you know, like kind of like the young stars uh, of the league. Maybe they'll be just like a lot, like a lot different. Because I feel like there's just like a, a transition right now. Like we don't know. Like are we a team that shoots well, or are we a team that just out athletes everybody? Because that's what we've always been. We've always been the team that just, we have the best athletes, we're going to come at you, and you're not going to stop us. And, like, over the last, like, 8, 12 years, that's changed a lot. Whereas, like, okay, we're we we don't we're not going to beat everybody on athleticism. We have to beat everybody 
on our gameplay, which like should still happen, but <coughs> excuse me, it's not. So like, and then when the shots aren't falling, you lose. Like, it's one thing to be like LeBron, Wade, and Kobe are out there. They're going to play defense, and then they're going to run up on you, and you're not going to be able to stop them in the uh, fast break. But when you're just playing a half-court offense and you're like, okay, our superstars are going to, you know, isolate and then kick out and you're going to make the shot, um, it's still the same rim. You're still shooting that same percentage. It's not like you're taking layups on little guys. You're shooting threes, and those shots aren't really falling. So that's my criticism on them right now. But regardless of everything that's happening now, still want to be on Team USA. Because of the lore, because of who's been on the Dream Team and everything like that, I want to be on Team USA, and that that's it. That's it. So, like, that's that's simple as that. Now, there is a reason that that and soccer were, weren't higher. Because these top three, listen, as much as, like, I love being a teammate and a good team member and, like, you know, I, I'm an offensive lineman by trade. Like, I do things for other guys to get the glory, but the team you know does well um that being said these top events these are individual because there's nothing like being an olympian and it's like you are the record setter there's no there's really no record setting if you're setting records for team usa basketball or the women's soccer the whole team's getting credit but if you're one of these next three like you are that person okay so number three i'm going women's gymnastics I know what I said about not loving um, judged events, where I want it to be under my control. That being said, like I feel like the perfect routines, like if you do a perfect uh, vault or beam or floor routine, I don't know, I don't know what they're all called. Like if you do the perfect routine, you'll get the credit for it. <clears throat> and there's something about the gymnastics where it's like you don't watch it. For three years and ten months. Then it comes around at Summer Olympics and everyone's like, oh shit, who's on the gymnastics team? Like, you know, I get it. Simone Biles, she's like the gymnast right now. And then four years ago it was like, you know, Biles was was just coming up, but there was still Gabby Douglas. And then the four like, you know, and, and then part of that like Fab Four, whatever it was. Then four years before that was like the first year of the Fab Four. It was like Raisman and uh, Michaela Maroney and Gabby Douglas. And uh, I, I feel like there was another girl, uh, someone with W or something. And then four years before that, like it was a completely different crew. And it was um, Sean Johnson. And uh, I feel like there's always – and then you have uh, Carrie Strug. And like th- there's just always been like you don't know who these people are for three years and nine, ten months. And then in, in just two months' time, something they've been working on for their entire lives. And they have a chance to go out there and it's like if they do what they do perfectly, uh, like you're the gold medalist and you are like the best in the world. And you're and all of a sudden you're crowned like the GOAT, um, which is crazy because it's like I feel like we've talked about the greatest gymnast of all time like three or four times in my lifetime, which is kind of funny. Um that being said, we're also I still always feel like USA is somehow the underdogs because I feel like Russia should always beat us at this. Like even though we're definitely not the underdogs anymore. I don't know how that like got misconstrued or whatever, but I think it's really funny. Um 
So women's gymnastics, and I'm not putting men's gymnastics in there because no one really cares about the men's gymnastics. They only care about the women's. I don't know why, but that's just the way it is. All right. Um, number th- number two, and this could be taken however you want. I don't know the exact events. I will say this. Sprinter. If you are Usain Bolt and you are out there trying to be the fastest man alive, there's barely anything that could be cooler than that. It's it's all up to you. It's as fair as it can be because there's no there's yes there's judges, but it's just judges to make sure no one's cheating. Like it's not judges that are gonna get involved and they're not gonna be like baseball umpires that are like ruining the game or any or like getting in the way or uh, NFL where they're like they're throwing flags on every play and you're like this is ridiculous we can't even enjoy this. The only judges in sprinting are there to make sure it's like okay nobody left early. And we need to, if, we, if it's a photo finish, like we need to determine who won. But it's like it, it, the, the public could still be the judge here. But when it comes down to it, it's like it's, it's as fair as it can be. You're either faster than them or you're not. And I just love like, you know, you watch the sprinters, these guys who are like, I am the fastest man in the world. And they're out there. And, you know, I know Usain Bolt's not an American. But it was so much fun watching Usain Bolt just be like, I'm the fastest person in the world. I'm the fastest man in the world. And I'm setting world records. And I'm sprinting faster than you ever thought imaginable. Which is why I was so bummed to watch, um, who was the girl from Louisiana who you know tested positive for marijuana not be able to go to the Olympics because it's like that sucks. Like she's literally someone we like should be looking up to. Like who cares if she smokes some pot? Like it's it's legal all over the place now. Like you're gonna feel so stupid in four years that this girl didn't get to go represent us. Um I mean I've never been fast. Maybe that's another thing too is that like I look at this as I'm like a like I've never been fast. So to like see them be fast is really cool to me. Um so, you know, that I should consider. Um, but it's not my number one because number one is swimming. And again, just like um, just like sprinting, swimming, like, it's all on you. And yes, there are relay events, like there aren't sprinting. So, like, you get all, all the same events. Um, and I feel like everyone's captivated by the swimming. And it's... It's a, a little bit closer. They're longer events, so they're a lot more fun to watch. Whereas, like, instead of it just being, like, five seconds long, um, it, it's, like, a little bit longer there. But the one thing I love about it is the same thing I love about, like, the sprinters. is like, It's, like, you just go out there and, like, on the whistle, everybody goes and whoever finished first is the fastest. And it's, like, it's, it's that simple. It's not, like, oh, well, something broke his way. It's, like, no, we're all in the same fucking pool. There's no advantage. If you if you think it's an advantage because it's like, well, I like to be in the middle because I could see the guy. And it's like, it's like, well, that's a mental thing. And that's a you problem. Um, you know, where it's like, you know what? It, 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 it's, it's all fair. And that's what I like about it. The swimming teams are cool. There's cool events where it's like it's slightly different where you have like the uh, freestyle. You have the breaststroke. You have... Um, you have the backstroke, you have the butterfly, like, you can be awesome at different things, you can, like, set records at different things, um, I don't love that there's always, like, so many 
distances. Like I feel like in 20 years, you're just going to have like, okay, he ran the, he, he won the 420. He run the 480. He won the 520. He won the 560. And it's like, it's like, okay, yeah, we get it. Like, um, you don't need so many of them, but, uh, I, I overlooked that. And I think like, damn, like it's, it's really cool. As long as they don't make like 30 champions because everybody's running different events or swimming different events. But that is my top five. I think, I I think it's pretty clear. I think being like the swimmer too, you get more like notice. Uh, I, I know Usain Bolt, but you know, he got a ton of notice, but like he was more of a world record holder. Whereas like Michael Phelps, and, uh, you know, Ryan Lochte and even like the new guy who I don't even know who he is, but now he's getting like this, like this poll because it's like, Hey, he's the new swimmer. He's the new guy. So I just think that's really cool. And plus they're always in like the best fucking shape. They're like tall. Uh, so like, yeah, it's like, yeah. Would I like to be a swimmer? Like, hell yeah. They're, they're the, they're awesome. So, um, I think that's a clear top five for me. I, I, I like, that's a no question, like a no brainer. So, um, yeah, top five Olympic events. All right. So, uh, moving on, moving past Olympics, the other sporting event that went on this week you know, after the NBA finals wrapped up and the Bucks won, congrats to the Bucks. Uh, you know, it, not much to hate about them. I, I, I the only, I'm just not going to like new champions because I kind of, you know, it's every time there's a new champion, we get further and further away from the Cleveland Cavaliers 2016 title. So it's like, all right, that kind of sucks, you know, but that's just time. Like someone has to win. Um, but uh, a lot to like about the Bucks team. Uh, I know everyone's loving Giannis because he didn't do, join a super team. He like, you know, he could have left and joined up and he didn't. He stayed home. And I'm like, I get that. I like that. Like, I wish LeBron did that the first time around and just stuck it out. Um, like, yeah, like, obviously, like, I, I, I would have rather that, but he didn't. So, um you know, so it's like I see it and it kind of stings a little bit. It's like I do appreciate it, but it does. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, it does sting a little bit um, to see like someone else's superstar stay at home. Thank God we won. If we never won in 2016, we just lost to the Warriors in four straight years, and LeBron left for the Lakers and won there. And then Giannis is like, oh, I'm the hometown hero that stays. It's like it's the same reason why I'm not happy with like Francisco Lindor and the Mets is because I'm like, you know, ever since Francisco Lindor became an asshole and criticized our uh, uh, the Cleveland fans and said he napped during Game 7 of the World Series and the dugout, like all this shit that made him a heel turn. I'm like, I don't want him to do well. I don't want the Mets to do well. But he gets to the Mets, and he's like, oh, they're going to trade for my best friend because I want him to. And like Javi Baez is here now. And, and, and all the Mets fans, like, yeah, let's rejoice. Let's have fun. And it's like, fuck you, man. Like, you were here. We were having fun. And, like, we weren't good enough for you. So, uh what how how did I get how did I go down this how did I do that um yeah so like when I see Giannis doing it I'm like yeah I wish we had that so regardless um uh we also had the NBA draft and this was a fun draft because there's just this feel like sometimes you get the feel the 2013 draft you felt like uh these guys suck you felt like there was no right option. There are some, like, they're pretty good basketball players, but none should be the first overall pick. This year, you're kind of getting that feel of, like, <coughs> excuse me, that draft where you're like, there's going to be special players throughout this draft. And I'm hoping one of them is the number three pick, Evan Mobley, who uh, 
Cleveland took. They uh, they they landed third in the lottery, and I talked about the lottery odds and everything like that a while ago. Um, and I understand, like, you, you know, that's gone. We're done with that. The draft, though. Cade Cunningham goes first overall to the Detroit Pistons. Uh, he's basically Ben Simmons with an outside shot. He is uh, maybe not the defense that Ben Simmons has. I, I won't give him that much credit, but um, he is just like he's that six seven six eight point guard where he's really a small forward, uh, but he's his ball handling is just so good that you're like, yeah, you know what? Um, he can run the point. He's going to be really tough to guard because he has great penetration. He's got a great offhand. Uh, he finishes really well. He's got a great jump shot, a great step back. He's a good three-point shooter. He's got elite passing. Uh, everything you could really want uh, from him, uh, from like your uh, your franchise cornerstone. And Detroit, you know, they have some like players you like. They got Jeremy Grant. Like I like Jeremy Grant. He's a nice player. He's a good player. And then they had two guys on the all rookie squad. Like I think both of them were second teamers. But it's like this is how you surround your superstar. Your superstar is Cade Cunningham now. So good for them, the Pistons. Like that's how you win a draft. Don't make it. Don't make it hard on yourself. Just take the guy that is a franchise player. Houston was the first team that had like a tough decision. They went with Jalen Green, which like at the beginning of the draft process, I really wanted Jalen Green, and then, uh. Then come, like, close to the draft. I'm like, all right, it seems like Houston's going to take him. And I kind of just, like, was like, all right, well, you know what? Time to like Evan Mobley. And the more and more and more and more and more I read about Evan Mobley, I was like, good Lord, this is awesome. And I like Jalen Green. And I think Jalen Green and and Kevin Porter Jr., like, I'm going to hate watching Rockets do well because that's the duo that we could have had. And, like, not just could have had, but, like, it feasibly should be here right now. Um, but, like, you know, hey, it's whatever. We got our guy, and Evan Mobley fits better with our roster. If we got Jalen Green, we're going to have to deal Sexton or Garland, but probably Sexton. Um, now that Evan Mobley is here, I mean, it, he's everything you ever want in a power forward. He is seven feet tall, legit, too. Isn't it funny how, like, in the draft process, they're always seven feet tall, and then two or three years into their career, it's like, no, there's he's actually six ten, and it's like, well, why was he seven feet when we were when when he was like, you know, when we're hyping him up? So, uh, but he's a legit seven feet tall. He's long as shit. His like measurables are even better than Anthony Davis when he came out, and he's got the defensive ability already that that Anthony Davis had. So right away, you're getting like an all defensive player type of guy already. And he's, he's 19 turning 20. Not to mention he is like a fundamentally like perfect, like foundational player on offense too, because he has like, he, he's like Tim Duncan when, or he's like Tim Duncan. What with that? Like Garnett athleticism. He's like Chris Bosch's, upside with the Anthony Dave like I he all he's ever doing is getting compared to Hall of Famers uh someone called him a modern day Bill Russell someone called him like this this like generation's KG it's insane all the lofty comparisons he's getting and I get it look like those are lofty and we should be careful with it but people are just taking those skill sets and looking at those players at this age don't like get carried away with what KG became the Hall of Famer 
Just look at him at when the, when he was 20 years old and compare him to Evan Mobley, and you're like, yeah, that's that's who this is. You're you're looking at the same guy. So I, I I'm really excited about that. He can play some five when you like you know want to get an extra guard or an extra forward onto the floor, and you don't need Jared Allen and him. Shooting will be clunky at times because he's not an outside shooter yet. Uh, he'll that'll develop because he has a nice shot. It just needs to be like worked on. And I gotta say, like I feel like the Cavaliers have a good like reputation of being able to like develop shooting. So we'll see. Uh, but I, I mean, this is your guy. Like Sexton, Garland, Okoro, Jared Allen. They were the four that you're building around. But like. This is the core member. Like Evan Mobley is the guy, and everyone else, it's like, all right, do they fit around this? Garland is going to be the perfect point guard to have with um, Allen and uh, and Mobley, because those guys are perfect in the pick and roll. They are perfect lob partners, and Garland is becoming great at the lob and and like the lob floater game because he's he's one of the guys that leads the league in like floaters made, um, which is like a, a wild stat that they keep now. But you, you have you know Garland and Mobley in the pick and roll game is going to be great. They have Allen there too. The Cavs have like a five that it's like yes together it's kind of a weird look, but. They're all under 24 years old. Like, and and as long as they re-sign Jared Allen, and I think they will, I think they're going to sign him to a four-year deal, which is fine because it's like when his deal is off the books, you can let him go, and then Evan Mobley gets that big contract and he slides in as your five. It, I, I can see that working out really well. And Larry Nance is a re- like a really good bench forward to have, and he doesn't make that much money. They traded for Ricky Rubio. I love that move because they needed a backup point guard, and they get a guy who's had a lot of experience as a franchise point guard. So, I, I, I mean, like, I, I love everything the Cavs are doing. Uh, the rest of the draft, it was it was a lot of fun to watch a little bit of it. Um, we were like going through a tornado warning, so I wasn't enjoying it that much. Uh, regardless, it was a cool draft, and I feel like there are studs all over the place. Uh, I was I, I really like what the Hornets did. They got James Booknight from UConn, a shooting guard, and they got Kai Jones, who is like a four-five, you know, similar position to what Evan Mobley is, but obviously he doesn't have the same like upside and same like skill set right now. Uh, but all that being said, I really like what they got because Lamelo was Rookie of the Year. He was uh, a franchise point guard that you have, and it's like you surround him, give him a shooter. Give them a lob partner. Give them guys that are going to do well in the fast break. I really like what Charlotte's done. Uh, obviously, I liked what Cleveland did. Uh, didn't like what the Knicks did. I was surprised. They had the 19th and 21st picks. They could have had Kai Jones because that was the 19th pick. And then the 21st pick was Keon Johnson out of Tennessee. It was like another guy that I thought was going to go top 10. And I was like, damn, that would have been two really good picks. I understand that they're trying to clear some cap room. Um... And, and, you know, and they don't want those, like, draft holds or whatever. It's like, yeah, it's like $2 million. But, like, you better, you better do well in free agency and get those guys you want. Because if you don't, and then you just gave up those draft picks, those rookies for, like, nothing, you could have just built a really nice young core with guys like uh, R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly 
and Obi Toppin, and then two picks here. Like it would have been a very easy thing to do to just be like, yeah, you know what? We're going to we're going to just build. We're just going to build around a young nucleus. And even though we were the four seed in the East, uh, we're not going to just cash all in right now. We're going to continue to, um, you know, like we're going to continue to build a young foundation. But they're all in on you know going for you know big superstars who knows maybe it's kyle lowry maybe it's lonzo ball i really don't know what the knicks are gonna do it doesn't seem like Kawhi is even playing next year so i don't know if i would want to you know go after Kawhi. and i don't think he's leaving anyway he seems like he's gonna stay with the clippers um so it's just a it's it's a lot like nba free agency is going to be coming up i think next week and uh trades will be happening russ westbrook was traded to the lakers last night uh which like it was funny because it seemed like they had a deal in place for Buddy Heald, which everyone was like, oh, that's perfect. That's just what LeBron needs is an outside shooter while he's, you know, driving and he's taking care of the ball. Heald is such a, like, a great spot-up guy. It's like, that's perfect. And then all of a sudden, it's like the Washington Wizards are like, hey, how about, you know, we heard about that trade. Do you want to give us those pieces and we'll give you Russell Westbrook? And they're like, yeah, all right, let's do this. Which, like, I still don't understand how the fuck they can get Russell Westbrook just, like, on money alone. They have two guys making combined, like, $75 million. So when you combine that, and yes, let's say everyone else is off the roster or whatever, it's like, um, how can you take on another $42 million when you're only giving up 30 Like, it just doesn't make sense to me, but I feel like, you know, it is, it's whatever. Like, it's fine. I don't care. Um... But, like, does this fit what LeBron's trying to do? Like, yes, it's another superstar to, like, you know, take the pressure off you. But, like, if you want to build around LeBron, I feel like you uh, need to do better than that. Like, Russ Westbrook is not the guy. I also wanted to see Russell somehow end up in Brooklyn. Uh, I was hoping to see, like, you know, since Ben Simmons is on the trading block, he didn't get traded yet. And since, you know, Washington doesn't really know what they're doing, and uh, I was like, you know what? Let's see a little bit of a mix around. Let's have Russell Westbrook go to Brooklyn, team up with Harden and Durant again, but all, the three of them in Brooklyn, which would be wild that it's like we've seen Durant on his own in, in Golden State. We've seen uh, Harden on his own in Houston, and we've seen Westbrook on his own now in Washington and OKC. Then we've seen... Uh, Durant and Harden together in Brooklyn and we've seen uh, Durant and Westbrook together in OKC and then we've seen Durant or I'm sorry and we've seen Harden and Westbrook in Houston so it's like and then obviously we've seen all three of them in OKC I just wanted to come full circle and see all three of them in Brooklyn it's like that would be wild to see all three of them together then two of them together then two of them together and then two of them together and then all solo at different points too. It's just, it's just like crazy. So, um, all that being said, Westbrook, LA bound. Um, I don't think it's a great fit. And uh, I said it last night. I'll say it again. Stephen A. Smith is going to have such a poopy diaper when it's not uh, the Knicks or Nets versus the Clippers or Lakers in the finals. It's like if it's not New York, LA. It, or Miami, because Miami is the, like his favorite place in the world. If it's not 
those five teams combining for the NBA title, he's going to have such a poopy diaper and he's going to cry and people are going to say things like terrible city and he's going to say, I never said that. But he's going to whine and bitch and moan and it's so annoying because it's like, look, how many times have you had Detroit or Cleveland in the NBA Finals? Or like, what's so great about Boston being in the NBA Finals? Like, it's like Boston's that great of a city? You love going to Boston? Like, like where is this coming from like like what like what is this like i just don't get it i don't understand and like they freak out because it's milwaukee and phoenix it's like those cities are fine there's nothing wrong with that live outside of your fucking bubble like why does everything have to be in la new york or miami so i'm just gonna inherently root against those teams just because it's like i'd rather see small market teams and even though i like when cleveland's like the small market team I'd rather see these small market teams start to own, and then people be like, you know what? I like going to these cities. I like Milwaukee. You know, I, I like you know. Also, like, why Chicago always get placed in like the great cities? Like, because it's bigger. It's like it's just as it's it's so fucking cold in the winter. You mean to tell me people like going to Chicago in the winter, but like Cleveland's unbearable? Like, where where's the science on that? Like, where does that come from? So, also. Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito are the same person. I'm watching the the Tribe versus White Sox, and it's like White Sox pitchers, they're all taking on this persona of we're going to just talk shit when we're walking off the mound. It's like, congrats, you got Yu Chang, who hits 170 to swing at a, at a pitch outside of the strike zone. Like, good for you, dude. Like, congrats. Like, oh, my God. Like, what to brag about. Unbelievable. Uh, anyway, all right. So, uh, with the NBA done with that, uh, kind of, kind of done going through things uh, for this week. I, I feel like we there was a lot we did. We covered a lot, um, Olympics and basketball and baseball. Uh, but I do want to get through a little bit of movies because there have been a lot of movies I've watched recently, and there have been a lot of shows. Uh, just watched the Fear Street trio of movies that ended up being a little bit better than I thought it was going to be. Um, Ted Lasso episode two came out today. I was really bummed that it didn't all come out at once, but at the same time, it's nice to not like binge something, you know, and to have something to like savor for a little bit. Um, I think you should leave. I binged the shit out of that. That was really funny. Uh, and the movies that made us, Sam and I watched that in two days, like the whole all of them. It was great. Jurassic Park, um, Pretty Woman, Back to the Future, and then Forrest Gump. And all those episodes were a lot of fun. And it got us thinking we should watch Forrest Gump. Like, that was, like, it was on the tip of our tongue because we had just watched the movies that made us. So we saw, like, the making of Forrest Gump. And we're like, yes, like, let's get into this. This is fun. And then also be like, you know what? It's on our list of 100 movies that we have to see. So why don't we check that off? We're in the mood to watch it. And we just saw the making of. So let's like, like, let's go for it. So I got a special uh, one-minute movie review for you guys. It's Forrest Gump. And it is the newest member of the 100 Club. Yes. Uh, I did put... I gave it a 100 overall because... And even though, like, I gave it a higher score than Jurassic Park and The Dark Knight and and Knives Out and 
and so many other like really great movies that I've reviewed in the last two years. Uh, I gave it a hundred because it is just like one of the greatest stories like you'll ever see. It's so fun and it's so like charming and it's wild that they can include so many references into one guy's storyline. It is a book. It was based on a book that apparently he also goes to space in the book and there's a little bit and he's also like a huge guy he's not tom hanks he doesn't do the run like he's like a big guy he's like me but even bigger it sounds like um and there's so much to like about the making the movie tom hanks uh and uh uh bob zemeckis giving back money to make sure it can happen and then you know obviously like they're not saints they they did get a good amount portion of like the earnings or whatever um you add that uh there's also you know the big bombing scene in uh vietnam zemeckis was in the bathroom for he missed that uh the fact that like they always had tom hanks in mind for this and gary sinise and like the casting of it all was like really cool there's so many cool things you gotta watch the movies that made us but uh tom hanks I mean, he really brought the like the role to another level of uh, Forrest Gump because, as you'll see in like other roles, it, it could be a very touchy subject to have, you know, someone playing someone who, uh, you know, to to put it lightly, is is like special needs or isn't all there. Like, um, but he did a really like tasteful job of it and. Uh, just showed that it's like yeah he's just different on the he's just uh, uh like different on the like reading level or whatever at the time they didn't really know how to classify that he still went to the same school as all of his uh you know as everybody else he just uh you know had a had more trouble learning and things like that uh to like you know skate around it but i i i did the review and here are all the pop culture references that they made from when he was born in the 40s to when the movie like ended in the 80s okay his uncle was like one of the founding members of the KKK Elvis stayed at his house when passing through Alabama he was recruited by Bear Bryant and then eventually became an all-american at Alabama uh, he was there when Tuscaloosa desegregated on TV and he even handed a book to a black woman in it and like broke the color barrier uh he was there when wallace was shot which was like a big like uh um (laughs) uh it was a big like segregation issue at the time he met he met three presidents he met the first one kennedy when he was an all-american at alabama and he told him he has to pee uh he graduated alabama he was immediately recruited to the army where he won a um a medal of honor and uh in the war for saving like four people and being shot in the butt uh where he met his fun his friend bubba who what was his name it was like uh like buford blue something it was like three b's where was his name but they called him bubba he had the company record at building his gun uh at that time jenny was in playboy uh, and then becomes like a topless star in Memphis. So she's not on the same career path he is. Uh, when he gets his Medal of Honor for saving four people, he met uh, President Johnson. 
uh, and he showed him his uh, wound, his you know, in the buttocks. And then uh, after Vietnam, he comes home and he meets the guy from the trial of the Chicago Seven. Which now, I, now I'm pissed that I forget his name because I, we just watched that movie. And it was a good movie. Uh, the guy that Sasha Baron Cohen played, who has like the American flag shirt, like very famous guy, very famous trial. And you know he talked to him and had him speak in front of all those people. Uh, he gives the speech on the Lincoln Memorial in front of the reflecting pool in the Washington Monument. And uh, he joins the Black Panthers for an afternoon. He goes to China to play ping pong because he learned how to play and became like an American ping pong sensation. Which, like, if you look at all of the things that, like, you know, if you look at Forrest Gump and you're like, what would he be good at? It's like, building his gun and ping pong, it's like, yeah, that's right up his alley of just being like, give him something where it's like memorization and routine. And, like, I'm I'm sure he was amazing at making his bed, too. Uh, he went on uh, a show late night and met John Lennon. <laughs> which was which was great because then he inspired him uh, for the the words the lyrics to imagine. Uh, then he met Nixon, and he exposed Watergate when he stayed up late one night and he was you know Nixon you know recommended this hotel that he stay at and then he was like these guys are you know going through all this uh, stuff you know and it's keeping me up at night and and that's when the cops were called on the Watergate scandal, which is just hilarious. And I'm not even done yet. He then becomes a shrimp boat captain. Um, he joined a choir. And uh, he survived Hurricane Carmen in his shrimp boat. He founded Bubba Gump Shrimp, which became, like, one of the fastest rising, like, you know, seafood chains, period. <clears throat> or, or not chains, but, like, he had 12 shrimp boats or whatever. Uh, Lieutenant Dan helped him invest in Apple. And then he ran, oh, and for all that, he ran across America and became, like, a sensation for basically just running across America and touching everything. And then he made up the shit happens quote and the smiley face logo while he was running. This is all in one movie, and they somehow make it, like, not drag out. Like, the, the long part of the movie was the Jenny stuff. Like, all of that worked into the plot of the movie. It's wild. It's unbelievable that they could make all those pop culture references. So many of those famous singers. Elvis, John Lennon, Three Presidents, Bear Bryant, Vietnam. So many things that they fit into his story and they make it, like, you never want to look away. You're just always constantly watching and enjoying this. And Tom Hanks' character... Is so charming and so funny, and and Sam thinks my impression is horrible, um, but I think it's really good. I think it was really it was like Mama said. No, it's see, it's bad now because I've been doing this podcast for like an hour and a half, um, so I can't do it right now. Um, that being said, I think I do a pretty good impression of it, where he's like, and now. I've been watching the baseball game, and the Chicago White Sox were playing the Cleveland Indians. And the Cleveland Indians, they, they're not going to use that name no more. They, they changed the Guardian starting in 2022. Yeah, so Sam thinks that impression's bad. She thinks it's like, she's like, you're doing too much McConaughey. And I'm like, no, it's not too much McConaughey. That is the Forrest Gump impression. It's, it's right online. 
It's just enough Alabama. It's like you hang the ends of words and then you speed up through the rest of the sentence. Like I feel like I was doing a really good Forrest and Gump impression there. It's like right now I'm watching JC Mahia and he's pitching. And he's on pitch number sixty and. He's typically never going past pitch number seven day, and now he's going through the third time of the White Sox lineup, and things about to get real bad for him. He got two guys on base right now, so yeah, I kind of lost it there a little bit. I understand that, like, but you know, again, my throat. You know, I, I've been doing this podcast way too long right now, so of course it's going to run a little long. But yeah, that is. I mean, it's it's a really charming movie. It's a lot of fun. Forrest Gump. It's great. Lieutenant Dan, though, like. I mean, they they talked about who else could play Lieutenant Dan and who read for him, and that like originally they were gonna look at Kevin Bacon, and I'm like, I can see Kevin Bacon doing that, but like Gary Sinise absolutely brought it. Like he was he was intense and he was perfect at that. Um, where like it really did make you be like, damn, like like he is a hell of a character, like one of the better supporting characters in any movie I can think of. So. Um, between Gary Sinise and Tom Hanks, you are already getting like a, an unbelievable performance. Um, and then just add in the fact that it's like such a charming story and such a fun time. Yeah, like of course you love it. You love who doesn't love Forrest Gump? So I gave it a 100. It's in the 100 club. It joins Shawshank, Gladiator, Titanic. Not many movies in the 100 club, but had to include that. And then one. One minute movie review, right? You know, because I gave you the 100, but I want to give you a little bit of the one minute movie review because I've watched a ton of movies and I haven't gotten to all of them. Um, so I'm going to go with The Tomorrow War, uh, which is on Amazon Prime. And I just watched it the other day. Sam and I watched it. It's starring Chris Pratt and uh, a couple people. Oh, uh, Sam Richardson. Uh, J.K. Simmons. The synopsis of the movie is that uh, people from the future come into the past and tell us, listen, we need more people to fight because an alien species wipes out all of us and we don't know how to beat them except recruit more people. And every day we send more people there and they just die and we don't know what to do. But Chris Pratt gets there. Uh, Obviously, he's ex-military, so he's pretty good. He meets his daughter while she's like uh, um, older because uh, she knows how good he is and what he can help her with. Uh, but it's a really like it's a tearjerker. It's it's I think it's a pretty good movie in terms of alien invasions. It was good. You had to wait a little while to see the aliens. Um, the aliens themselves were pretty fucking badass and. Um, it was it, it, like it, like scary aliens. Like you know, you look at Independence Day aliens. You look at um, it, like you know, you have the, those were some of the best. These were right up there with like holy shit. They're like tigers. The way they move around, they're like big cats, and uh, and like they're hard to defeat. You could, their shells are like bullets aren't really getting through them, so they're scary as shit. They're moving really fast. Um, but yeah, so they they made a really good alien for it. I will say that one of the very emotional scenes of the movie, they had um, like the background was rendering the whole time, like it was moving, and I'm like, are you serious, Amazon Prime? Like, 
this is your big budget movie and effects are coming in bad like i know the storyline is like has a couple holes and like but the acting was good usually that's where the it falls through is the bad storyline of the acting or like a bad finish um but like none of those are the problem it was like the rendering uh it was good i liked it i wish it kind of ended differently so that we could see like a sequel or something because you know spoiler alert he he goes back in you know he goes into the future he helps them but it seems that all you know all hope is gone because they're about to lose and he, he's only supposed to be there for a week and right before he sees his daughter get killed he goes back in time because it's like after the one week after the one week you don't have to like be there anymore and it zaps you right back in time so he basically he took the antidote back with him in time and they just need to get there before the aliens crash and then they determine that they're like these aliens actually were here a lot longer than we think they've been they were just frozen so then they go look for them they find them they kill them uh, the the female almost gets away, but him and his dad, J.K. Simmons, team up to kill, and it's really dope. Like I, I would have changed a couple things because it caught a little bit corny, cheesy at the end, it's whatever. But um, it was awesome, and and I had a lot of fun with it, and I thought it was really cool. And uh, when I heard that my dad didn't like it, I was like, oh man, if my dad doesn't like it, I'm gonna hate it. And turns out I was like, no, this is uh, this is great. I don't know what you're talking about, dad. This was cool. I'll watch it again. Um, I might, might just turn on right now. So, uh, so that was the tomorrow war. Uh, overall, I give it like a 78. It's good, fun, uh, action thriller. Uh, Sam Richardson's really funny in it. Some of the acting by this, by the characters that aren't like the top three or four people is uh, kind of shitty. Uh, it's a little forced at times. Uh, but I love the premise. I love the twist and the, and like the hill that they have to get over uh i just think uh like if i made it and you gave me all that i think i made it a little bit different uh that being said still good movie uh good action flick good alien movie you know i feel like every every year we need an alien invasion movie or an end of the world type movie right like one of those apocalypse type films like if you went through the movie like calendar Ooh, that's what I should do in my, in my next podcast. That's what I'm doing in my next podcast. We're going to go through the 12-month cycle of movies and what you would expect, what you want to see in a 12-month period of movies. Let's say two movies each month. What type of movies come out? Do you want a Bond movie or like a Mission Impossible? Do you want like a big Marvel movie? Uh, what about like a, you know like a thriller or like a horror movie? Yeah, that's what I'm doing in the next podcast. Cool. This is fun. A lot of fun. Always figuring out what I'm going to do in the next pod. So, listen, guys, thanks, everyone, for listening. It's been a long time, uh, a long podcast. I think we're over, like, an hour and a half now, but uh, maybe two hours. I don't know. Uh, hopefully this all comes out. This would really suck if this didn't work out because this is a new uh, new platform that I'm saving this on. So, fingers crossed because I really want this to come out. All right. Thanks, everybody. And uh, come back next week. We'll do another pod. All right. Talk.